And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. We are coming... <laughs> I just feel like we're the Cubs are in a stretch where every time I'm entering a podcast, it's like we're coming off the Cubs uh, dropping to a three or getting swept or, uh, you know, whatever the, the negative outcome. But that's how it is when you've won just three of your last 17 games. Uh, you know, it's it's weird. Like, it doesn't feel like it's been that long that it's been this abysmal stretch. You know, like three and 14 is a very long truly atrocious stretch and for some reason i don't know if it's because our expectations were what they were coming into the season but it doesn't feel like you know when they when they were losing 11 games in a row last year multiple times that felt interminable to me like it felt like holy crap they lost again and again this just feels like it's lasting forever three and 14 for whatever reason i've just I, it's like i look up and i'm like oh that's a lot of losses in a very short time yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess this week it, it started to kind of sink in, like how bad it's gotten. There were there were a few close games in there, right? And then and then the Milwaukee series, kind of, that was kind of the start of like, okay, they're not competing much. And then uh, White Sox, you know, I think the White Sox are on their little run against subpar competition, and and they're doing what they're supposed to do, and they didn't really blow the Cubs out, but then. Oof, this weekend that I mean, I think we just saw what what a great franchise is and how far the Cubs need to go to get there. And uh, the Dodgers just put them in their place. I mean, I, I don't think any of us are surprised by that. By by I think by this weekend, we'd, you know, even the most optimistic of Cubs fan must have known that that they didn't have much of a chance. Maybe stealing one would have been possible, but. Oof, that was just it just really glaringly different teams and just just looking at it on paper. You don't even need to watch the games. You look at it on paper and you're like, wow, this is these aren't close. These rosters are not close to comparable. Well, I think every season, right, you have to kind of let it breathe a little bit, let it open up and see what happens and uh, then it just gets to a point where you're just being disingenuous if you talk like, hey, maybe things could turn around. Like, no, there's no uh, realistic path for things getting better this season. And the scheduling gods gave us the Dodgers coming in and the White Sox coming in for this like perfect content storm. Uh, <laughs> the scheduling gods, they, they were like, the scheduling gods saw the <laughs> yeah. optimism among fans and they're like, whoa, oh God, we got to help these guys. We need to cut this off early. You know, I didn't expect this early in the season, like Brett to be going down the 2012 baseball reference rabbit hole or our, you know, Google machine searches. Uh, Brett had a nice 
connection from some of Sahadev's piece to what Dale Swaim uh, was saying earlier. But yeah, I think you got that coming into play. You have the Dodgers and, you know, even the Mets too. The way that the Mets have done this offseason, when you see the direct link between payroll and ownership commitment to the on-field product, like it's kind of staring Cubs fans in the faces right now. It's not just... Well, technically, free agent spending isn't the most efficient way to chase victories in modern baseball. Like, no, like you pay, you give good players a lot of money and your team gets better. Like, sometimes it's not that complicated. And particularly when we've talked about this before, all these players at the Cubs kind of like, particularly on the position player side of just kind of like lottery tickets up and down the lineup. And uh, you're kind of seeing, you know, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about, you know, people were talking about this is a fun lineup. It's like, well, not really. Like this is kind of more of a triple A lineup. <laughs> Gosh, it's hard to take that baton. Uh, so a couple things I wanted to say uh, generically, I think about the Dodgers series, and then we'll uh, get into some more specifics. One thing that really struck me, in, it was two seven to one losses, I believe, were the bookends for this one. And I can have the number. I mean, it all it's all a, a malaise, but I, I I believe it's that range. Point being, uh, it's in that that differential where it's like not a super crazy blowout, but it was, but a not a competitive game. And what occurred to me watching those two games was it didn't seem like the Dodgers were in that moment playing all universe. And it didn't seem in that moment like the Cubs were being anything other than what they are. And then it's like you get to the end of the game and it's not close. You know, it's like seven to one is what this Dodgers team playing this Cubs team is. And baseball so rarely gives us that uh, where you have an opportunity to see in a single game or a single series or whatever the the true talent differential between two teams. Um, and I do feel like this series, and I, I don't mean that in a overly critical way of the Cubs or an overly fawning way of the Dodgers. It's just that's how the series would have looked on paper and how it played out. It was just each team played kind of how they are. And it oh, when that happens, they're not close. Uh, it really stuck out to how, and I think David Ross mentioned this after the sweeping finale, um, it just felt like every time the Cubs did something just not quite right, little mistake or couldn't take advantage of this or got picked off or made an error, the Dodgers pounced. Yeah, every like they were just uh what is that saying? Uh luck is the luck is the residue of design or is, uh, luck is where preparation meets opportunity. Yeah, there's a bunch of those like but there's I think it's luck is the residue of z- design is the better one because it sounds fancy. <laughs> uh and and it just means that, you know, we attribute, especially, I don't think it's from the world of sports, but it's very applicable because it's, we, we correctly identify in baseball, all these things that are fluky, that are luck. You know, the ball bounces this way, a foul ball that's clearly fair is called foul, whatever. <laughs> but if you, Brett got, dude, has I'm to get his little ma- grievances <laughs> in there. <laughs> I'm glad that didn't matter. But what the f***? I mean, that was not... I'm I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and I'm like, and and, and I felt heartened because everybody was seeing the same thing that I was. It's like, am I, what am I not seeing here that this ball is clearly clicking the tape? And then they, then the picture from after when the broadcast showed the divot and the divot is like a third on the tape. And it's like, what, <laughs> how do you get that wrong? Oh, anyway, didn't matter. It didn't matter. 
So, oh, exhale. Um, I got to take my opportunities to be passionate yeah. and, and aggrieved about the Cubs when I can, because there's not a lot that's going to potentially matter. But uh, we'll get it. Let's get into some of the um, it, it's not necessarily specific from the series stuff, but it's specific to a bit of what Mooney was alluding to that the the nature of the Dodgers now. Let me set it up this way. And Sahadi wrote a great piece this morning that gets into this, but he, not not necessarily this specific point, but this this topic of contrasting where the Dodgers are to where the Cubs are now, to how the Cubs want to build, to how the Dodgers built, etc. I thought about it a lot this offseason when the Dodgers signed Freddie Freeman. And a lot of the discourse was about how, especially in the Cubs fan sphere, is the Dodgers are just spending, look, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what a good owner does. This is what a good front office does. They buy up all the best players and da 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 And it's like, it's hard to have a nuanced conversation about that because if I disagree with that point, it sounds like I'm you know defending the Cubs or whatever. But I do disagree with that point in a different way. That's not how the Dodgers built up this team. It's how they augmented this team. It's how they made this team from a very, very good one to a, holy shit, this team is ridiculous. But if you go down that roster, it is a beautiful mix of completely homegrown and developed, clever big league trades, prospect trades, opportunistic moves, reclamation projects, guys extended, guys signed in free agency, uh, international free agent success domestic draft success it is everything and that's how you become this good it, it is that's like when when mooney says you know the 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 line you know free you know, free agency is the least efficient blah, blah blah that's actually true but that doesn't mean you don't spend in free agency it just means it's ideal if that's the last component and for the dodgers it is because they've done everything else so well for so long they, I mean, it's remarkable how good they are at doing everything well, right? You look across that lineup, you look across that rotation, you find every aspect of a, a truly healthy, thriving organization. You have guys like Justin Turner and Chris Taylor who are castoffs from other organizations that the Dodgers were able to maximize because they have great player development Max, at the Max Muncy too. Max Muncy that the, the, the Dodgers were able to maximize those talents because they have great player development at the major league level. Something the Cubs are desperately striving for. You you look across there's there's guys like Gavin Lux, Will Smith. I'm probably missing someone else uh, that 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 came up through the organization. Cody Bellinger. Uh, you have guys that they traded for like Trey Turner and Mookie Betts, and they still have a top 10 farm system in in there. They, they re-signed. They didn't just uh, sign or trade for Betts and let him walk. They spent the money, what, two months into a pandemic when, when the Cubs pulled an offer for, from Javi ba- for Javi Baez and the Dodgers go extra aggressive and say, no, we're keeping the best player that, that we have on our team. They go out and, uh, and add guys like Freddie Freeman, they they build a strong rotation. They keep Clayton Kershaw in town for his entire career, pretty much. The, the, this is what great teams do. They lose they lose Kenley Jansen finally after years of you know being with the Dodgers. They go and trade for Craig Kimbrell. That's what great organizations do. They they win year after year after and they're year. able just to slide in. They're able to trade for Craig Kimbrell yeah. with a guy AJ Pollock who was one. 
not a terrible signing in free agency. It was a well-considered signing. And two, because of all the internal depth that they developed, that he was essentially superfluous. Yeah, they have so much talent coming through their system. I mean, the Cubs are trying to build this. And listen, they... I I pointed out that they need to spend. They they do need to spend. But also, if they would have done everything they did this offseason and added two more big free agents, I don't think it's enough. I don't like it's they didn't build the base for this. The base isn't set that what they need to do. They end up looking like the Phillies or Rangers if they spend more this offseason. That's not an argument for not spending. It's an argument that there were so many mistakes made in the past uh, five years, five, six years, that spending isn't isn't enough. Like they they have to spend, but they have to do all the other things, too. Otherwise, they're just another organization and, and they claim to not be or claim to have a higher standard and, and want to be one of the great organizations. So they can't just do one thing. Well, they have to do it all well. And maybe they're on that path. It's really hard to see it right now when you're on pace for 54 wins. And I will say it's really hard to only win 54 games. So when I, when I joked yesterday that it only goes up for here, it's kind of serious because if they only win 54 games, we're talking about the worst team, uh, worst Cubs team ever. I don't know if it's that bad. It's bad, but I don't, I'm not sure if it's that bad. I know it's easy to could be after the trade. Yeah, yes, it's, it's it very well could be, but they that's another thing. They can't. They can't set themselves up to where 2023 is another uh, we're going into 2023 is like, okay, uh, you know, if things if every single thing breaks right, maybe we compete. You can't do that. It doesn't work. Not for the Cubs anymore. It's unacceptable. It's it's already been it'll be one and a half year, two years after this season because we're I think we're writing this season off. Right. Uh that's that in itself shouldn't happen. If you go a third year entering the season where it's just like, well, everything has to break right to be competitive, not even like a play, just be competent. That's it. Just it can't be that way. So they need to find a way this this deadline to be to to find guys that can help sooner. They need to make sure that guys like Caleb Killian and Brennan Davis are coming up and helping the team. Uh, just to see what they have. Service time can't be one of these talking points anymore. They need to move this thing along. So uh, we're not talking about 24 and 25 uh, by by August. One thing for the record on the Do- on the Dodgers, just so we have in the podcast, they did sign Trevor Bauer, so they are not perfect and they make mistakes, and that is a stain uh, upon this era at Dodger Stadium. Although, can I can I slide in one quick thing on that though? Most of the time when you sign, when you're a big market organization and you sign a guy like that and it's a total mistake, you have to eat the rest of that contract. They are getting absolved of the rest of that contract by virtue of his suspension. So that's, which is not a, they don't actually have to pay the price for a really bad decision, which is, they would be able to, but it's kind of like, eh, you know, they they got a little lucky on that one. Yeah, I think... You know, it's not even just like about the Dodgers anymore because when you look at what the Mets are doing, what the Giants are doing, the fact that the Cardinals, I don't know, do we think in our lifetime the Cardinals are going to go down or they're going to like just totally write off seasons? No. They don't do that. That's not, that's just not what the Cardinals do. Maybe if, maybe if they sell the team and there's new owners or something like that, but the Cardinals are going to be consistently 
good. The Braves are the defending champs. They're set up really well. I, I just think like it's great to in your mind what you know the Ricketts and Jets front office are thinking of like. Well, you know, I don't want to like you know build a team that you know maybe wins eighty five games if everything breaks right. It's like you kind of have to have those steps to be a world. Like it's not like you can just be like, well, we're just gonna like take a timeout for four seasons and then we're gonna have a World Series champion. Um, you know, down the road, it's like you know, we all saw what happened in the last year, but like a lot of things went wrong. It was a really messy process that like came together. Um, in, in 2015 and 2016, there's no guarantees that happens. And I think you're absolutely right, Sad. I've like, you have to be some heavy, serious investments to where like the floor of next year's team is way higher than what it is now. Because if the Reds weren't so bad, Jason Stark would be writing about the Cubs of like in his weird, wild columns of like, you know, you know is, it, is this the new 62 Mets? Like, that's how bad this has been in every phase of the game. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I don't want to just keep like beating the listeners down with all of the things that are horrible, but I think to maybe put a mild bow on this conversation and bring it together, there has to be a balance between not doing what the Cubs did to win five, six, seven, eight years ago, where you completely tear it down into nothing because the front office arrived with a disastrous farm system in terms of what the development process looked like the sky, you know, it was just a mess. Um, the actual big league operations were a mess. And so they had to, I think there's a lot more grace afforded them coming in and saying, look, we got to tear this thing down and it's going to absolutely suck for a few years, but, but we're putting in a foundation. I have a lot of understanding for that. I do not have that same grace and understanding for doing that now um, because the the mistakes that were made that set this course were the things that they were supposed to be very good at player development scouting drafting internal stuff that frankly was terrible in 2015 16 17 terrible the the part that doesn't get talked about is international free agency and developing those players. The Cubs, if if you could somehow quantify, especially if it was like amount of money spent versus productivity from the, these young players coming through, guarantee the Cubs would have one of the worst ratios in baseball. I mean, it's just been truly, truly atrocious. And the problem is that stuff plays out over the course of a decade, not 
even two or three years. It's if you if you fix your international free agent draft d- d- development process, you will not see those dividends for maybe eight years. And so that's a bummer. And that's a reality that the Cubs are going to be up against when they try to, uh, I agree, set that higher baseline going into next year. You, you know, it's just, it's where, where's it going to come from? And so what they're going to have to do is like Sahadev said, they've got to move this thing along in a way that somehow internally you can see what that looks like heading into the off season, which will justify the moves like Mooney is talking about where you've got to add wins to the team. It's just, you straight up got to find ways to convert money into wins because the entire dynamic dynamic of this sport and this division in particular is set up on the assumption that the Cubs are going to outspend everyone else. Maybe there were reasons to not do it this year. The way the free agent class, the lockout, the, the state of the, the foundation that we're talking about were not great. Fine. But like you guys are saying, there is no justification in the world to be having similar conversations to what we were having last year heading into this off season. And so that I, I, I don't want to make, like I've said to you guys before, I, I am not interested in like focusing on the trade deadline yet in early May. I just don't want that to be my personal fandom yet. But I am ready to be thinking this year about what needs to happen because it's trades are only a part of it. It's also developments. What needs to happen so that in August and September of this year, we all can see the we can see the path. We can see what needs to be done in the offseason. And it's not just this. Well, God, this foundation looks shitty again. Should they spend 400 million and try to be the Rangers and just like. That doesn't work. It just doesn't. I mean, you got you'd have to get lucky as hell on every single one of your free agent signings for that to work, and it'll work for two or three years, and then you will be buried. I don't know what the Rangers are going. They're selling, but they've got there. That has to have been ownership driven that they're going to sell because I I cannot wrap my head around the Rangers off season. The Rangers off season is what some Cubs fans were dreaming the Cubs would do, and I'm like that would have sucked shit. But that's not to defend what they actually did. So anyway. There's my wrap up of all of that is that all of this goes to the bigger conversation is we don't want to cover this. I don't want to watch this as a fan. I want to think about the ways they can compete and win. And so if this year is going to be like this, it better be in service of more interesting conversations this offseason. God, I'm just I, I it starts pissing me off. Well, I mean, I, I think you're right. You can't. I mean, we've 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 talked about the mistakes of the past of this offseason, previous, all the stuff that led to this uh, last deadline, uh, all of it. We've talked about it so much, and now is the time to try and figure out what can be salvaged. What what can they actually use going forward? How do they build something that has, uh, you know, a, a reasonable floor, right? So you you look at what they have right now. Position player wise, you hope that the corner outfield situation is is kind of set. You hope that Nico continues to play the way he's playing. Is he a superstar? 
No. Is he a very good short? Does he look like a very competent shortstop? Maybe slightly above average? Yeah, I, I think he's better than I expected him to be. I expected him to be average, maybe a little bit below. He's average to maybe a little bit above. And he hits for average. And, and you know, he is what we kind of thought he was on offense. He's hitting the ball hard. He's he's He, he looks good at the plate to me. I think he looks good. Nick Madrigal, what do they have there, right? What What is Patrick Wisdom? Nice start to the season. Uh, you know, complain all you want about the strikeouts. If he hits for the power that he's hitting, uh, if if he plays the type of defense he's playing, that's that's a good, that's a quality player. You need other pieces, right? You need Brennan Davis to turn his AAA season around. First, he needs to get healthy. Then he needs to turn his season around. And, and then he needs to come up and, and we need to see if he can handle the big leagues, right? Whether that's July, August, September, whatever it is, we need to get some sort of sense of that. And then maybe you have an outfield for 2023, right? Maybe, maybe. And then the pitching, who the hell knows? Because I don't know who's going to be here in 2023. I And I don't know what what Kyle Hendricks will be if he's still around. I don't know if Marcus Stroman is sticking around. I just don't because I don't know what the trade deadline brings. I'm not saying they'll definitely sell him, but it has to be an option, right? I mean, if he's if he's rolling uh, over these next few months and the Cubs are playing still losing, it, that may be time to maximize that value. There's a guaranteed year and a half left there, right? Because he can opt out after 23. So that may make sense to move him. And it's just where they are. And then when you start talking about stuff like that, you have to build a rotation from scratch. I, it's just, it, there's, I mean, I, I'm trying to cling to the positives, but they're just, it's hard to find them all. And and then I, I like the bullpen. Hey, I think they're going to, they, they've, they've shown to me that they know how to build a bullpen. Okay, you better hope you can continue to do that because the last thing you want when you build a good team, uh, everything else is for the bullpen to sink it. So hopefully this is a, a consistent trend for them because you don't want them to have the offense and starting pitching and then that bullpen, that's the most maddening thing to watch. It's it's almost more frustrating than just a bad overall team. A good team that has a bullpen that continues to sink you has is like a, just a consistent kick to the groin for fans all the time. So... So let's see. I mean, hopefully that's the one thing you can really point to and say, hey, they have this figured out. (laughs) They got to build talent and find talent to put around those bullpen guys so they're not gassed by June. Brett, you reminded me, you know, talking about when Theo and his group came in and they were uh, very dismissive of what they inherited. And obviously the Cubs hadn't won a World Series in over a century. So it's like, yeah, there's a reason why there was a regime regime change. But it was also very self-serving and a little insulting at times to people who had worked for the Cubs for a very long time and who had celebrated back-to-back division titles uh, only a couple years earlier, uh, working under extremely difficult circumstances of an ownership change um, and the uncertainty surrounding that and some of the uh, you know payroll issues that Theo certainly became well aware of when he uh, moved to Chicago. And there was a Wilson Contreras, a Javier Baez, DJ LeMayhew. There were guys who were traded uh, for a Kyle Hendricks and an Anthony Rizzo. I'm talking about Dempster and Andrew Kashner. And so, like, there was work that clearly had to be done, but it was also in their best interest to over-exaggerate how bad everything was. Like, it was like, you know, dinosaurs roaming uh, Mesa. <laughs> putting it, like, no, there were lots of smart, talented, experienced people... And I will now turn it into a positive in that 
those things are happening here too, that maybe we don't see it and maybe it's not the most cohesive thing ever, but there are guys in the minors who are going to pop. The Cubs just need to figure out who they are and not, or if they do leave them unprotected for the rule five draft, no one takes them like Wilson Contreras or that they don't trade a Javier Baez type for like a Tyson Ross before he gets hurt. Like, you know, a lot of kind of weird things happened like Ryan Dempster not wanting to go to Atlanta and all of a sudden you do get a Kyle Hendricks. So like, I think kind of on the back end of this, like there's a long way of saying it, but that Jed and his people, there are competent, smart, experienced people there. Um, There are coaches at the major and minor league levels who work their asses off nonstop trying to uh, help guys get better. And, you know, there are lots of prospects who are maybe, Everyone is wrong in the uh, prospect guru sphere, but I think even people who kind of roll their eyes at some of the Cubs way stuff or what they think of the Cubs now are like, there's some legit prospects there. There are talent there. It'll take a while. That doesn't mean the Cubs should just like pause at the major league level until like PCA is ready. But like, this is kind of how the game works now. And there are things moving in that direction that you know maybe will surface uh over time here and we'll get the jed version of theo saying the narrative around baseball is the cubs are coming or whatever that was that really kind of annoyed i think some people (laughs) across the game and sounded a little defensive but theo was right the cubs were right uh, in the long run they just gotta like prove it now and i think it's clear by the tone of our podcast and anytime you check cubs twitter like that patience or grace period you reference spread is just like totally gone. Like they're going to have to prove it. Um, I think people are not going to just kind of take them at their word at this point. I think that actually comes to a really good place to wrap this up because it circles back to how we started this conversation with a team and an organization like the Dodgers. They're never waiting for this wave of, of young players who arrive at the same time and become a core. And for the Cubs of the current day and for their fans, in a way, what we're saying is we don't want to wait for this wave that's coming. We might acknowledge that it is coming because I agree with Mooney and Sahad. If, and if you pay attention at all to these things, it's, it, the Cubs really do have a lot of talent in the farm system. They really have succeeded uh, so far in that respect. It's just it's very far away. Uh, nothing is guaranteed in that respect. And even if it were, we, we don't want to wait three, four years. What you want is a competitive team. And then those waves of talent are crashing into an already successful big league team, because that is what the Dodgers have had for five, 10 years. You'd have guys coming up and it's like, holy crap, how are they going to play this guy? How are they even going to find room for this guy? And they find room because it's just that makes you have insane depth and the ability to make trades that can further improve your organization and further string along this competitive window that becomes much like uh, Mooney reference with the Cardinals. It's no longer a competitive window. It's just a competitive baseline. That's just what you are. And for the Cubs and for this conversation, as we talk about what this year needs to be leading into 2023, it's you got to get to a place where it isn't okay. Yeah. 2023 might also be a, maybe if everything goes right, but, but Hey, this really great block of talent is coming in another two or three years. That can't be the thing. I'm not going to wait and I'm not going to ask other people to wait. And I'm not going to, that isn't going to be my perspective on what is 
appropriate for this organization at this time. And so it will be a dramatic failing if we are having these kinds of conversations, or excuse me, having the kinds of conversations we had in January, February, March next year again about what 2023 can be. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I want to put a pin in it. You guys got anything else you want to say about this or about the, the weeks ahead? Uh, Cubs are going out West now, which is always super easy uh, <laughs> and they will play <laughs> it really did, you know, they aren't losing this much because the schedule is so hard during this stretch, but it ain't helping. It's, it is a truly, truly brutal stretch of the schedule. Uh, and so, like I said, it doesn't get any easier this week for the Cubs, but we'll see when we come back at you on Thursday. We'll see if the Cubs have lost Marcus Stroman to the IL for longer than we were thinking. Justin Steele, what if he goes on the IL? I mean, things can always get worse. <laughs> Uh, this is on to Waveland. This is the sunlight you look for in your week. I am Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. We'll be back to you on Thursday with some brighter, rosier takes on the things to come. Take care. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.